Good morning, uh, Andy Kind here. I hope you like my virtual background. I've paid for the upgrade, so I've got a 3D background now. Um, in reality, I'm actually on a Tapton Golf Course, which is five minutes walk from my flat. It's not a lovely day, but uh, it is worth being outside. No Alan this morning. He was a bit worried because we're on a golf course. He might get um, ravaged by a dog. So uh, hashtag pray for Alan, if you would. We're going through Nehemiah. I'm on Nehemiah 6. I'm going to do verses 9 to 14. Just quite a short um, section, but lots of stuff going on in that. I'm going to pick out three things. It's in three acts, essentially. But just to say again, to reiterate what we've been saying over the last few weeks, the church is not on furlough. Jesus is not social distancing from you. And the wall still needs to be built, whether we're in lockdown or not. And something that occurred to me this week as well, the Apostle Paul, the greatest Christian witness of all time, did most of his best work in lockdown when he was in prison. So um, we, have no, we have no excuse uh, and we should be encouraged by the fact that actually even when we feel trapped, uh, the word of God is not caged. So let's, let's read it. Um, Carl, of course, last week talked about um, the stuff he talked about and this letter, this open letter had been uh, sent around for everybody to read, trying to discredit Nehemiah. I'm carrying on from verse 9. They were all trying to frighten us, thinking, their hands will get too weak for the work and it will not be completed. But I prayed, strengthen my hands. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, the son of whatever that name is, who was shut in at his home. I know how you feel, brother. I really do to be shut in at your home. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night, they are coming to kill you. But I said, should a man like me run away or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realized that God had not sent them but that he had prophesied against me because Tobiah and Sambalat had hired me. He had been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this, and then they would give me a bad name to discredit me. Remember Tobiah and Sambalat, my God, because of what they have done. Remember also the prophet Nodiah and how she and the rest of the prophets have been trying to intimidate me. So the war was completed on the 25th of Elul, in 52 days. I didn't get all those words right, but English is my first language. So, we've read the passage. I want to pick out three things. It's in three acts. Act one is, where do you get your strength from? Act two is dealing with different types of distraction, different types of opposition. And then act three is much shorter. It's just the finale. So, let's start. Act one, verse nine. Strengthen my hands. See, Nehemiah equipped and mobilised an entire people to build a wall around a city. Lots of people would look at him and say, hey, he's a really strong man. Oh, he's so strong. Nehemiah would disagree. Nehemiah knew where his strength came from, and it wasn't Nehemiah. You see, we have to understand where our strength comes from. When people uh, type on Facebook when someone's posted about a tragedy, stay strong. Well, you can't stay strong if you're not strong, can you? Your strength comes from the Lord. You were created to contain strength. 
You were created to be strengthened, but you are not strong. You, you are not, it's actually a myth that you are stronger than you think. You're not stronger than you think. You are just as weak as you fear. I am just as weak as I fear, maybe weaker. But where I am weak, he is strong. He is mighty. It's not about us doing things in our own strength, leaning on our own understanding. We can call on the greatest source of strength in the universe. Jesus says, my strength is made perfect in weakness. It's not just adequate in weakness. It's not ample. It's perfect. When we acknowledge our weakness and call on God for his strength, we say strengthen our hands, amazing things can happen. It's like a, a power drill. Like a power drill was built to be powerful. That's where that name comes from. But if a power drill isn't connected to the plug, if it's not connected to electricity, then it might as well be a banana. It doesn't matter that it's called a power drill and it was built for power. If it's not connected to the source of its power, it won't work. Like a, a racing car, if, if, if you were going around a showroom and you saw this Formula One racing car and you didn't know that the engine had been removed, you might say, wow, that's a really fast car. But the person showing you around would say, no, it's, it's a potentially fast car. It's actually just a shell. Yes, it was built to go really, really fast, but unless it has the engine, unless it has the source of its power, it might as well be a banana. I don't know why I keep saying the word banana. I hadn't planned to do that. I don't even like bananas. I don't think anyone likes bananas. That's my new thing, guys. No one likes bananas. Move over soup. But we have to understand where our strength comes from. We were built to contain power. The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but of love, power, and a sound mind. But it's from him. It's his power working through us and in us. And that's really reassuring when you think about it, because you don't have to be powerful. You don't have to win the fight. Your God will fight for you. You need only be still. You're not stronger than you think. You're not a... Oh, a bird. It's a raven or something. Um, I've lost my place. Oh, yes. <laughs> The big myth of Disney, interestingly, this is about uh, not being distracted. I am in the worst place to not be distracted. The myth of Disney is that, you know, the hero lies in you. The hero was in you all along. That's not true. That is just Disney. As I said last week, you're, you're not a, a member of the Marvel Universe or the DC Universe. You're not a comic book hero. You are not Batman. You are in your flat man. Has anyone got a microphone I can drop for that zinger? You walking your dog over there. Have you... Nope. Well, anyway. The Bible says that Satan, the enemy, your spiritual enemy, prowls around like a roaring lion waiting for someone to devour. And like, do you know what you need? If you've got a lion coming at you, do you know what you need? Like, like the gift of flight would be great. But what you might need is an even stronger lion who is for you, the Lion of Judah. You can't take on a lion, but a bigger lion can. And this is the message. It's really encouraging, because once we get past that pride of, oh, I'm not as strong as I think, we actually then have a greater ability to draw on real strength. It just needs that humility. No work is too great for the strength you can be given.
No work is too great for the strength that you can be given. Our strength comes from above, from Jesus, but he is willing to lavishly gift his strength to us. It's amazing. That's Act 1. Act 2, verse 10. One day I went to the house of Shemaiah, son of Deliah, son of Mehetabal. I think that's it, who was shut in at his home. He's on lockdown. He said, let us meet in the house of God inside the temple and let us close the temple doors because men are coming to kill you. By night they are coming to kill you. Now, what's going on here is that trying to get him behind closed doors. They cannot discredit the work. The work is done. Like The work is pretty much completed. And everyone has seen it. They can't discredit the work that's been done. So what they're trying to do now is they are trying to discredit Nehemiah himself. Because if they can tear him down, then maybe the wall will come down symbolically. It's like when you see debates. It's what philosophers call an ad hominem attack. When you see debates and people saying, oh, uh, why, what, you shouldn't believe anything that person says because that person's an idiot. Well, you know, idiots can still speak the truth as well, sometimes. So this whole thing is a smear campaign, the open letter that was sent for people to read. It's a, it's a smear campaign. They are trying to discredit him to tear him down. And the reason they're trying to get him into the temple is that um, he was an official, but he wasn't a priest. Nehemiah's not a priest, so he couldn't go inside the temple. And also, because it's the Holy of Holies, the temple was not open. It's not like walking around Durham Cathedral now. It was closed off. So what happens in the temple stays in the temple and any rumours that come from the temple are not verifiable or falsifiable. So what they're trying to do, they're trying to trick him, not just to distract him, but actually to tear him down with lies and gossip. We tend to believe the first thing we hear about any one thing. We're doing Alpha at the moment and um, a lot of people who I've seen doing Alpha over, over the years will often say when they become Christians, you know what, I thought that Christianity was X, Y, and Z. I didn't realise how wrong I was. It's because we tend to believe the first thing we hear about any one thing. If you see two comedians doing the same joke, because of the way your mind works, you'll just assume that the person you heard second stole it from the person you heard first. But that's not necessarily the case. I had a, a thing on uh, Twitter um, yesterday where I'd done a, a, a joke. I said, um, both my daughters have biblical names. Ruth's okay with it, but Deuteronomy hates me. It's a, it's a perfectly serviceable uh, joke. And uh, later on, someone highlighted the fact that six hours later, another tweeter from America had done the same joke, but just changed it slightly. Um, and obviously the people reading that joke, liking it, retweeting it for him, because they thought he'd written it. And eventually he did apologise. He was very gracious and that, and that was fine. But the point is, we tend to believe the first thing that we hear. So rumours, that's why the Bible says don't gossip, because lies spread faster than the truth. And, and someone might say, someone might say, oh, there's no smoke without fire. I hate that as a phrase. There's no smoke without fire. First of all, words and fire are not the same thing. It may be the case in a literal sense that there's no smoke without fire, but sometimes it's not smoke. Sometimes it's mist. Sometimes it's fog. And the problem with fog is that it stops you seeing the path clearly. So even if there's literally no smoke without fire, there is gossip without truth. There is gossip without truth. Words do get corrupted very easily. There is smoke without fire because it might be fog or mist. 
So, um, verse 11 to 13. So he's, he's been intimidated, distracted. They've tried to lead him into sin so they can discredit him. What does he say? Verse 11. He said, Should a man like me run away? Or should someone like me go into the temple to save his life? I will not go. I realised that God had not sent them, but that he had prophesied against me because he'd been hired. He'd been hired to intimidate me so that I would commit a sin by doing this and they would give me a bad name to discredit me. See, he, he realised it was a lie because actually Nehemiah was aware that God never disagrees with himself. When God has called you to something, he doesn't change his mind. Unless he actually says to you, well, now there's a different mission. But the gifts and callings of God are without repentance. God cannot disagree with himself. God is always aware of where he is in his notes. So God cannot disagree with himself. It's a good lesson as well when we're reading the word. It's great to listen to God's voice through prayer. It's brilliant. I love it. God will never disagree with what he's already put in his word. So God's very happy for you to have the Bible whether you take it literally or literately it's the book god was happy for us to have and so if you hear a, a word from god and it disagrees with scripture well it's not from god it's about coming back to the foundation you you have that wall that foundation of scripture to build on what's what else is going on here and this is really good nehemiah realizes that the calling of god should be heard louder than the calling of other voices. So God has called him to build the wall and stay at his post, stay on the wall. God hasn't told him to leave the wall. So it doesn't matter what clamour is going on, he's staying where he is. The calling of God is louder and heard more clearly than the clamour and the calling of other voices. This brings us on to something called mission drift. Mission drift is where the work going on doesn't fit the original mission statement. Over time, just through little incremental degrees, it, it goes off. Where the mission and the original vision statement, the actuality of what's going on and the original vision statement or mission statement are not aligned. Let me give you an example. Things like uh, cash converters, pawn shops. Pawn shops are not a new thing. They were invented ages and ages and ages ago and they were set up as a christian initiative to help and support the poor so people would people who were struggling for money would bring stuff to sell for a fair price obviously now because of mission drift they don't support the poor anymore they exploit the poor this is what we call mission drift you know the reason i moved to chesterfield first of all there's an amazing uh, golf course hello just recording a a, a preach. Nice dog. What is it? Have a nice day. You see, I'm always on it with the banter. Um, the reason I moved to Chesterfield is partly because I meet people like that with um, indiscriminate dogs. But another reason I met, I, I moved to Chesterfield, is because of all the people I've ever met, uh, Carl, who's the senior leader at Redeemer King is the least guilty of mission drift. I've known him for 10 years and he has never once shifted from his mission to lead people to Jesus. And for some people it might seem like he's just beating the same drum, but actually if 
if there are real consequences for rejecting Jesus, then the only drum to beat is the one where you lead people to Jesus. And, you know, I don't always agree with everything Carl does. I'm specifically referencing his lovejoy hair. I'm just really not sure what's going on there. But I have never once seen him leave the centre of the narrow path. He has never once even looked like coming down from the wall. And I wanted to, I wanted to be led by somebody like that. I wanted to work with somebody like that because I want to beat that drum as well. And I have shifted. I have drifted. I've strayed off the narrow path, straight to the side, looked around, got distracted by birds and, and dog walkers. But I got to the point where I thought, you know what, I, if this is real, and it is real, then actually, if everything is about Jesus, everything I should do should be about him or should be for him. That's why I came to Chesterfield. Because Carl walked the narrow path right down the centre. He has never once been culpable of mission drift I have lots of us have the, the, the good news is that God has given you amazing gifts amazing gifts creative practical pastoral gifts are you using them for him this is the challenge for us this morning whose wall are we building whose kingdom are we building? Whose voice are we allowing to be louder than the voice of the Lord? Because it's all very well being given a gift. But if you don't use it properly, then it will never reach its fullness, will it? So, you know, again, if, if you're in a racing car and you're going around the track and you never stop for a pit stop, you're not going to win the race. It doesn't matter what the car was built for, how beautiful it was and how good at driving you think you are. If you don't go and see the mechanic, the car cannot function. If you're a creative, you need to come to your creator, the source of your creativity. Otherwise, your creativity will, will never reach its fullness. It will be a stick drawing rather than a beautiful landscape a constable or something. All the animals I draw look like donkeys, by the way. That's, that's something. It's not relevant, but it is true. I want to give you four tips. I want to give us four tips to avoid distraction, avoid mission drift. One, don't give up. So these are four things to say no to. First of all, say no to giving up. Say no to giving up. Because it's hard, but it's not about your strength. We have to keep coming to the source of strength, the source of love and peace and hope, and getting refilled and recharged, refueled. What God orders, he pays for. If God calls you to something, he'll equip you for it. He, you might not have all the equipment you need to start off with, but it's a journey, like Lord of the Rings, or any quest, you learn as you go. What God orders, he pays for. Number two, say no to distracting opportunities. The enemy of the best is the good. So don't be distracted by other voices, by voices enticing you away. If God hasn't called you to something and someone else calls, don't go. Or if you realise you've been called, you're using your gifts and you're doing them well, but you're not using them for the building of God's kingdom, like, repent, which simply means turn around and change your mind. Come back to the wall. Like, anyone can build a wall. But are you building the right wall? Whose kingdom are you building? 
Number three, accusations. Say no to accusations. Don't accuse. Nehemiah didn't look to defend himself or accuse himself. And Jesus, you see, Jesus turned over tables in the temple because God's house, his father's house, was being desecrated. But when Jesus was personally attacked before the court, he said nothing. He didn't try to defend himself. He stayed silent. When people accuse you, let them. Just let them. People are going to accuse you. People are going to gossip about you. People are going to insult your love, joy, hair. Let them. It doesn't matter. Don't be distracted. Focus on what God has called you to. Because whatever anybody else says about you, God spoke first. And he'll speak last. He'll have the final say. And he's the only one who speaks with any real authority. And finally, four. Say no to fear. So say no to giving up. Say no to distracting opportunities. Say no to accusations. Number four, say no to fear. What if it goes wrong? Well, if it goes wrong and God's called you to it, it's his problem. <laughs> he's the one He's the one who's got it wrong. But you've not been given a spirit of fear. And you know what? If you say no to all those things and you avoid mission drift, then you get act three. You get the outcome. You get the finale. Look at this. Verse 15. It's almost like an offhand comment. So the war was completed on the 25th of Ilul in 52 days. Like the whole book has been building up to it and it's just this one sentence. Oh yeah, we completed the wall in 52 days. In 52 days? I've been in lockdown for nearly 52 days. I haven't built a wall. I've looked at one, like many times, but I haven't built one. They said no to distractions. They focused on what God called them to do. They didn't get distracted from that. They didn't detract from that. They weren't dissuaded from doing it. They didn't let intimidation, they didn't let intimidation or accusation distract them. They focused on what they were doing. They let God strengthen their hands and they did it in 52 days. Absolutely amazing. So this is it. This is the end. Climb on the wall. Think about, pray about, Ask the Lord about where he has placed you to be salt of the earth. Where has, he, where has he spread you to be salt of the earth? Where has he scattered you? Where has he placed you on the wall? When you, when you know that, you might already be there. Great. Climb on the wall and don't come down until it's finished. Jesus climbed up onto the cross and he didn't come down until he said, it is finished. When it's finished, God will tell you something else. But for now, go where you've been sent and stay at your post. And say, should a person like me, a child of God, should a person like me be distracted? Should a person like me do something contrary to what God's called me to? You say, no, I will not. I will not. Lord, strengthen my hands. I am weak, but your strength is made perfect in my weakness. Whatever you call me to, Lord, nothing is too great for you. Lord, strengthen my hands. Amen.